This isn't just a review. We're going beyond that. With your hosts, Dallin and Kyler, we're here to share the moments, magic, and memories that make films so special. Many focus only on what there is to hate, but if you look a little deeper, there's so much more to love. We hope the time we've taken brings just a little bit more joy into the movies that you watch and the world around them. But I, I've often had the thought of, like, if I had a bucket list of places to go, uh, what would be on that, that list? One of them for sure would be, like, Iceland, because that place is just dope. Yeah. Um, Australia, that'd be on there. Norway is on my list. That would be good, too. Yeah. That, for me, I think, I think Iceland would be, like, similar enough where I'd be like, cool, but I'd definitely like to visit the, the Scandinavian countries. Yeah. Um, but another one, I'd really like to go... To uh, I think it's Barrow, Alaska, which is the northernmost point in the United States. Oh, uh, it is all the way on the northern like edge of Alaska. Yeah, and also, if I ever got the opportunity, I'd like to go to <laughs> um, Antarctica as well. Yeah, just kind of cross off both sides of the planet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. <laughs> I just like. When when I was in Canada, uh, for those of you who don't know, I lived there for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt weird because we were like really far north, and it just I didn't know what was more north than where we were, and so it just it was this weird moment where I was like, "What happens if I just drive north?" <laughs> and there's a lot of land because we were just in Ontario, yeah. and so, like and I've been to Alaska, so I've been further north than that. But it was just like this weird moment where. There wasn't anything, like, important right. north of where we were. <laughs> and I just, I want to have that experience where I can literally stand on the shoreline and be like, there literally is nothing but water north of me. Well, and just imagine to just be able to just be there instantaneously. Yes, that <laughs> would be really cool. <laughs> we talked about, uh, it was in the bad guys, we talked about things we would wish for. And teleportation is probably one of the things I would have on, on that list. Yeah. And why are we talking about the... I have no idea. Oh, well... Um, Maybe we should just jump in. <laughs> nice! <laughs> yeah. We're talking about the movie Jumper. Yes, we are. It came out in 2008. It's PG-13. It stars Hayden Christensen, Samuel L. Jackson, Jamie Bell, and Rachel Bilson. And it's directed by Doug Liman. I think this is a very underrated movie. We'll talk about it a little bit more. Uh, for sure. They're, like, we actually, I mean, I think this is a good opportunity for us to like touch on some of the... There's a couple of movies we were talking about mm-hmm. that we feel just kind of get forgotten. Yeah. That came out around this time. But yeah, this one is pretty fun. And it's it's actually like... Like you said, I think it's pretty underrated. Yeah. It's solid movie. And you know, it's one of those movies too that it's like... I, I will admit, it's not, you know... The best movie in the world. It's not, you know, like, I wouldn't put it in, like, my top 20 movies or whatever, you know, but it's... But it's very enjoyable. Yeah. And more people should know about it. Yeah, and it definitely was one of those things that, like, it could have had potential for sequels or things like that, but... Yeah. 
I mean, I, I wouldn't have been upset if there were sequels, but mm. I'm also not upset that there aren't sequels, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, having just one-off movies is sometimes okay. Yeah. And for those of you at home who might not have seen it, which uh, perhaps is a little bit more likely with this one, um, here's a quick little rundown of, of what you can expect. David Rice is a high school student in Ann Arbor. That's in Michigan, as, as we found out. Mm-hmm. Right? We know places. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> abandoned by his mother at five, living with his callous alcoholic father, and enamored with his schoolmate, Millie. He, he gets picked on a little bit by some of his classmates, and on a winter's day, he gives Millie a, a gift of a snow globe, and a bully throws it out on the ice. Yeah. He falls through the water, but he discovers that he can teleport himself anywhere on Earth that he can see, or has seen. Uh, he runs away from home, goes to New York City, robs a bank vault, and comes to the attention of a shadowy group of government hunters. Eight years later, the hunters, led by the murderous, that is accurate, Roland, uh, get a fix on David. He heads home, searches for Millie, invites her to travel with him, and only later realizes that Roland and his crew are seriously deadly, and everyone close to David is in danger. Ooh. Does, did that mention... Uh, uh, Griff- I, added, I added a little bit to yeah. that one. Did that mention Griffin, though? It doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't? <laughs> It doesn't. I know English. <laughs> it did not. Yeah. But uh, Griffin is the other jumper that he runs into. We see three, but one yeah. of them is, is only used to show that Roland uh, is, in fact, like... A murderer. <laughs> he's a scary dude. Yeah, he straight up gutted him. Like just... Yeah, he pulls out, like, this weird knife, like, like tantoed, yeah. like... Like Rambo knife. knife, yeah. And he unwraps it from this red cloth... And he like walks up to him and he's like, "Only God should have these powers." And you're just like, "Gah!" Right into his guts. You're an abomination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of intense. Yeah, it is. Like, bro, chill. <laughs> but yeah, this this movie is one that I remember watching when I was younger, quite a lot. Like, it was one of those movies that I, I just thought was pretty neat. I think for me, I th- I know I saw it a few times when I was younger. I don't remember when the first time I saw it was. But this is a movie that has always lived rent-free in my mind. Yeah. Like, every once in a while, I'll just think about a random scene, and I'll just be like, what movie is that from? <laughs> I'll be like, oh, that's Jumper. That's a good movie. I should watch that. And then I usually don't. But Yeah. <laughs> we did today. We did today, and I'm glad we did. Yeah, me too. And it, it, it definitely is one of those where you're like, oh, yeah, remember Jumper? That was pretty cool. You know, like, it just comes up, like like you said, just, it pops into your head every now and again, and you're like, like, because, like, especially when people, you know, talk about, like, Hayden Christensen, and they're like, mm-hmm. has that guy done anything other than Star Wars? And I'm like, yeah. Yes. Yes. Two things. <laughs> it, quite, uh, quite a few things, actually, but, like, a yeah. lot of them are, like, he did this one movie with Nick Cage that was not great. It was, like, they were, like, uh, knights, and uh, it was weird. <laughs> I don't know what this movie is. Well, it's, it's kind of like a B movie. It's like, uh, but like uh, Hayden Christensen has a weird mohawk. Nick Cage has like a big old like mane of hair. You know, like nice. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it's one of those movies that is like, oh, this isn't great, but you get a good. What is it called? I forget. I like, I, like <laughs> Last Kingdom or something. I may be completely wrong. I I gotta look it up. Yeah, but like <laughs> he's done a few movies like that. Like I think he did one with Bruce Willis. Uh, but like there are all these like straight to DVD movies or things like that that are just like 
you know, most people wouldn't know what they are, but like he has done quite a few things. Oh, did you find it? So Outcast. Outcast. That's I don't know where your Last Kingdom came from, but like yeah. Me and my dad watched that. Wasn't that is fantastic. A, that but, is a fun looking <laughs> like cover image for that movie. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like one of those where you go to Walmart and you stick your hand in the five dollar DVD bin and you'd probably find that movie. Alan and I used to do that every time we'd go into to Anchorage while we were living in uh in Alaska the first time. Yeah. Every time we go down, we we had a just a, a VHS or no a DVD player, not a VHS player. This isn't my parents. <laughs> <laughs> we had a DVD player in our room, which most most of the rooms didn't. And so we uh, we'd go down, we'd get like a five dollar movie, and we just bring it back. Yeah. And so now we, the small shelf of movies we have, most of them are just from that <laughs> that period of time. But yeah, if you could probably find quite a few of Hayden's other work in those bins. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, unfortunately, after Star Wars, he got quite a bad rap. Well... And, like, and they tried to uh, capitalize on, like, oh, he's going to be a star with Jumper. And then Jumper didn't do too well either. And so, like, they kind of wrote Hayden off in Hollywood. Yeah. Well, this is a bit of a tangent, but I guess it's relevant because he was in Star Wars. Yeah. And that's his most, you know, prominent role, I guess. Yeah. I, like, especially the prequels... A lot of like rough things happened to actors in the prequels. Well, it was pretty much like George Lucas didn't really care about his dialogue. I love the man for creating one of my favorite things, mm-hmm. but like he has said multiple times that the dialogue isn't what's most important to him. It, yeah. it, it's like the visuals and the you know. Well, and I don't even necessarily mean from that standpoint. Yeah. Like, like sure. Some of that stuff was it left some people wanting, mm-hmm. but really the point I was trying to make is like the oh, fans, yeah, were in a lot of cases really, really terrible. No, yeah, that's true. Especially like, like I was, I was reading about the the kid who played like young Anakin, mm-hmm. and he had like huge problems for. I mean, I mean, he might still have them. I don't really know. No, he... But, like... The, I mean, the last that I know is he got arrested for a DUI, and it was, like, not his first one, and, you know, like... And just all these crazy stuff. And, like, obviously, you know, like, a lot of these were his own choices, but, like, if you look back at it, it, like, stems from yeah. all the abuse that he had. And, you know, Hayden got that, too. The guy who played Jar Jar Binks, Ahmed Best, he got a lot, which yeah. is just... And it was like they were just doing their job. Yep. And some of them were actual like children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, well, and the internet was just like, nah, we we're gonna demolish these people. And I think when Hayden was first cast, he was like nineteen. Yeah. You know, so he you know obviously he wasn't a little kid, but he was still a kid. Yeah. Know? Still a fresh you know face, excited to be in Star Wars. And that's the thing you always read is that it's like, oh, they're so excited to be in Star Wars. They have so much fun making it. And then when they make it and it comes out, and everyone's like, screw you. And, like, the really unfortunate thing, not to stay on this too long, but, like, that still happens. Oh, yeah. With, like, John like, Boyega and, and... Daisy Ridley. Daisy Ridley. Like, I know both of them are pretty much just uh, done yeah. with all Star Wars-related things. Kelly Marie Tran, who played Rose, yeah. she got a lot. Yeah. 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 And uh, it's just like, guys, come on. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just crazy how they... F- they throw it on the actor like that when you like you said they're just doing their job they're doing what they were told yeah. they just came to have a good time and then you may have not liked their performance or something they did or whatever and you're like oh you ruined my childhood you did this you did that you know that's why most of these star wars actors you see aren't on social media 
rightfully so. You know, (laughs) they don't like that was an unfortunate thing is Daisy Ridley was on Instagram for a long time and would have fun, you know, posting like premiere stuff and everything. But she just got bombarded with people, you know, like, yeah. And so she had to deactivate it. But like similar thing happened with Hayden, unfortunately, because especially in Attack of the Clones, he had some pretty bad dialogue, pretty bad, you know, like George Lucas, for all his credit, for all the things that he has done, he is not a great director. <laughs> I, I will admit that. Coming from the man himself. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's most famous that, like, one of his big things that George Lucas would say is, uh, you know, they'd be call cut. And he'd be like, okay, let's try that again, but faster, more intense. And that's all he would say. Hmm. He, he wouldn't, like, yeah. that, that's, and, like, you see interviews with people, where with actors who worked with George Lucas, where they're like, yeah, George isn't the most actor's director in the world, yeah. you know? He, he knows that, he knows world building he knows you know like he's good at picking that stuff he's good at you know like creating stuff but he's not good at working with the actors that's why he directed the first star wars but then with empire and jedi he had two other people direct it because he was like you know i kind of want to be on behind the scene you know i'm not the best he even knew he's not the best director Mm -hmm. but then when it came to the prequels uh i i think i remember there were things like you know rumors of like ron howard and other people you know directing the prequels but at that certain point george lucas was like i want to do exactly what i want to do and so since star wars is such a profitable thing they were like go ahead george yeah we're not gonna say no to you (laughs) well and that's the funny thing too is you look at the prequels a lot of people like to call them the most expensive independent films of all time because george lucas provided his own money for that and uh 20th century fox distributed it but he paid for everything yeah (laughs) so like him paying for his own money he could do pretty much whatever he wanted and it it just sucks that it fell on the actors because people didn't like it and that hayden a really good up-and-coming star couldn't get any more work because people would hate on him because of star and i think that might be part of why jumper flopped came out three years after revenge of the sith is people were still like, oh, I'm not going to watch anything with this guy who ruined my childhood. You know, like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think all of this is basically to say, like, I'm glad we got to see Hayden Christensen in in this movie. Yeah. And it feels like he had a a lot of fun with this. Oh, yeah. At least from what I could see on screen. Well, he he met Rachel Bilson, who is his co-star. They were engaged for like nine years, have a kid together. You know, so he met someone very important to his life, yeah. you know, someone who gave him a, a, a child, you know. Like, like, this is this is something that's, like, it's, I mean, obviously, it's all a movie still. Yeah. But they definitely looked like, at least the two of them had a ton of chemistry mm-hmm. on, on the, at least on screen. I don't know, I'm stumbling over my words, but. <laughs> I, I agree, they, uh, I, I don't know if you're going in this exact direction, but they, they di- it didn't seem far fetched that they would get together, you know. Like there are some like movies you would watch where like it, it, the, they start like kissing, and you're like, "Whoa, where'd that come from?" <laughs> well, it just I think what I was trying to say is just that the uh, it felt more genuine. Yeah, like it felt natural. <laughs> we we kind of both laughed about there is a romance scene, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> he went to go like pull off her boots, and they were just like tight 
And yeah. so he couldn't get them off. They were like hard to get off, and they were just both laughing about and it. And they like rolled off the bed, and I was like, yeah. you know, it, was... it, it, it was a small thing, but I kind of liked that where it wasn't just you know the all glamour, all sexy, you know, like yeah, it wasn't like sort of, I guess, built up to be this weird thing. Like, yeah, I think literally my comment immediately afterwards, like, man, I've been there, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I was just like, that just it's seems so relatable. Real, yeah, realistic, like. Just, <laughs> Sometimes the boots are tight. Sometimes the pants are tight. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> but yeah, it's just um, like those two characters really seemed like they had that uh, r- rapport, you know. Like, yeah. Well, and and another thing, uh, I I think one of the one of the things that, one of the first notes I took was I wanted to talk about sort of the intro mm. into the movie where we saw not like baby David. Yeah, but the like middle David, <laughs> yeah, fifteen year old David, yeah. um, when he first has his now jump incident mm-hmm. uh, in the river. But like w- one of the first things I I took a note on was when he goes up to her and he's like, "Hey, I found this thing, and or I got you this the snow globe that I thought you might like." And I was just like, "Hey, you know, man, shoot your shot." Like he's liked her. And she it seems like she likes him back. Yeah. Like, they, they have genuine conversations earlier. They're talking at her locker about well, some and, stuff. And, and she like, seemed like she really appreciated it, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, you get the classic bully who's like, Haha, this is my girl. I'm going to throw this in the thing. because I don't, yeah. I don't even know if it was necessarily yeah. that. But yeah. it was more just like, oh, I'm going to be obnoxious and rude because yeah. that's that's what I'm here for. Right, yeah. And then he throws it. And then I think another thing is, is I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast yet, but I've noticed in a couple of movies I've seen over the past few weeks or months or whatever, the stereotypical, like, bully tropes, I mm. kind of hate them. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people hate them. Well, because you, you get a lot of the similar things, yeah. you know. And I think the main reason why they bother me is because in a lot of movies, like, the entire thing is that way. Yeah. Like, a lot of coming-of-age movies, there's a bully or a couple of bullies throughout the whole thing, and they're just like, I'm going to just like bag on this one kid forever yeah and the the thing that bothers me more is that there will often be adults in like either Mm -hmm. close proximity or their immediate vicinity and they just don't do anything about it and it's just like what do you mean like if i was a teacher and i saw this kid bullying this other kid like 20 feet away from me in my classroom i'd be like hey Shut up, idiot. Yeah, go to the principal's <laughs> I'd be like, what is wrong yeah. with you? <laughs> I'd call them out in yeah. front of the whole class and make them look like a fool. Wait, does yeah. that make me a bully? <laughs> but, you know, like, that's what bothers me. It's just like there's adults there and they didn't do anything. And with this with this one, it was a pretty small scene. Yeah, well, and they were uh, outside and yeah. there weren't many adults around. And another, like, trope that bothers me is, is a lot of the times where you get those flashbacks of bullies bullying them. And the... The like girl that they're interested in, the guys interested or whatever love interest, yeah. it they they show pity on him. It's not it's not like a, you know like oh I really do have genuine care for you. It's like they show pity like you know. It's like oh I should feel bad because you're getting beat up. Yeah. Or, or made fun of. Yeah, and they're doing it to like kind of make themselves look good. But that wasn't really the case in this one. She had genuine it you know like excitement for what he got her and like yeah. enjoyed talking to him. And then she was straight up calling him out. She's yeah. like, dude, stop. Like, quit yeah. it. And, and the final thing where he did eventually stop, I, I appreciated it. Because she she just straight up was like, that's enough. Like, yeah. you're done. And then he was like, okay, sorry. Yeah. But then he still had to have the final thing where he threw it out. Threw it out, yeah. River. But yeah, it, it it's interesting when you see, like, there's a lot of, 
obviously bully scenes in movies and and TV and whatever, but like it, it's a nice detail when they're treated a little better, not just for yeah. not just to show like I mean, this was to show that he kind of was an outcast, you know, like mm. but like I like I said, I really enjoyed that. She wasn't just showing pity on him. She wasn't like just it's it set the precedent that she actually cared about him. Yeah. From the beginning. And later on, he even mentions that ever since they were five, like, mm-hmm. they had known each other their whole lives, and yeah. he always cared about her. Well, and I made the joke about how she went to Rome with this guy she hasn't seen for eight years, who she kind of thought was dead. Uh, but, like, if you have that connection with this person, you know, it seemed like, like you said, they had this connection since they were five. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and so, like, I guess it's not too out of the realm of possibilities. I mean, it's still, like, movie stuff. Like, I'm like, would she really go by herself to Rome with this guy? But, like... Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this isn't quite the same. I guess in some ways it's similar. Like, if... I, I've said many times that Remy is probably, like, my best friend. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times we don't hang out all that often. And, in fact, up until recently, I don't think we'd hung out for, like, at least months... And so I don't see him all that often. But if, if at any point, like even like 10 years down the line, if I hadn't seen Remy, but he just randomly like texted me or showed up at my door and was like, bro, we're going camping. I'd be like, all right, packing my stuff right now. <laughs> yeah. Like I wouldn't even hesitate. <laughs> right. It's like when you have a connection with someone like that, it, it you trust him, you know, like it's like she trusted David. Well, and especially in, in I guess, this context, because I mean, one, it's it's a little bit older, so maybe there's a little bit less of some other political stuff that's right. happened in more recent years. But, like, I guess um, to say that it might have been more acceptable back then to just, mm-hmm. like, go with some guy yeah. to another country. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like we're saying, they had cared about each other. They knew each other for at least ten years mm-hmm. before he disappeared, and they cared about each other. And then also, this was an especially traumatic experience for her. Like, when, when he... He teleports around a couple of times as he's sort of figuring out what's going on. Yeah. But then eventually he leaves the uh, snow globe on her swing at her house. And then she, I think he like throws some pebbles at her window or something. And she comes down and she sees it. And so ever since then, she at least suspects that he is alive. I think she kind of knows. Yeah. Because, I mean, that was a very specific and personal thing to just the two of them. And I'm sure really since, only he knew about. since she's known him since he was five, she probably knows about his family life. She probably knows yeah. that his mom left and his dad's not the greatest. And so in her 15-year-old head, probably just like, oh, he needed to get away, you know? like Yeah, maybe he just he'd had enough. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just don't know. Right. But yeah, that opening scene did a great job at like introducing this whole uh, concept. It's, it set us. up a lot yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. Like it, it characterized David... And Millie, right? Yeah, Millie. Like, really well. And it was it was really subtle. And I, something I was telling you before, like, right before we started recording is I've talked a lot of times about, like, show, don't tell. Mm-hmm. And how sometimes when there's, the like, the opening uh, voiceover monologue or whatever you want to call it, that it kind of just gets old. Yeah. And they did a little bit of that in this movie. But I think they did just enough to where it, it did feel like, oh, David is telling us a story. Like, he's introducing us to what's going on. He's telling us about his life. Especially because he kind of views himself as, like, this interesting person. Like, I can yeah. have these cool powers. I'm I'm really neat. And so it kind of made... It would make sense for him to be explaining to us as an audience what's going on with him. Right. But then also, it did a really good job of explaining just enough and then letting the the, the rest of the movie play out. 
or the rest of the scene play out and show us what else is going on. And there were subtle things with his with his dad, like when he comes home and his dad obviously is very, I guess, callous. I think I already used that word earlier, but like he's kind of rude. And then it, it when he, excuse me, when he walks up to his dad and his dad sees that he's, you know, soaked. Yeah. <laughs> it does seem like for a moment there is just that little bit of like concern in his eyes. Yeah. And it isn't until David <coughs> sort of shrugs him off and then goes upstairs and doesn't tell him anything about what's going on that he's like, okay, well, like, grab him up and then he kind of yeah. reverts. But like for a moment there, he just pauses and he's like, he's like, what happened to you? And he seems genuinely concerned. Yeah. And like that kind of comes back later. Um, I wouldn't really expect him to talk about this right now, but I think it works when. David is being hunted by Roland. Roland, played by Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes to his dad's house, and he's uh, he gets in there. He's trying to get information about David and, and so on and so forth. And then he basically doesn't get anything from him because he hasn't seen his mom. He hasn't seen David for a long time. Like he doesn't know what's going on. And then as he's on his way out, Roland is like, or no. Uh, David's dad says, you know, if I hear anything from him, I'll give you a holler. And then Roland pauses at the door, and then he closes it, and he turns around and is like, no, you won't. And then his dad's like, no, I won't. Yeah. And then you you know what's going to happen, but, like, I'm so glad that we got that last moment of, like, redemption from him. Well, and we, we that's the thing is, I think his dad truly does care about him. It, it's just, he had also this traumatic thing, and he chose to approach it in a bad way with, you know, alcohol sure. and, yeah. uh, you know. Um, but like that one scene when after uh, Roland and David have that first fight, and David transport you know teleports to his his room. Mm-hmm. His dad runs up as David, David, and he's yeah. like, David, please don't leave, please don't leave. I need to talk to you. You know he wasn't like mad or anything. You know like yeah, he was at, like desperate. Yeah, almost. he was like he's just he, like he, I, he I, just I, wanted to see his son again, and he wanted to hold on to him for that brief moment. Well, and he he was like there. he was. He, he also wanted to know that he wasn't crazy. You know, he was like, I want, I know you're out there. I, I, I'm not crazy. And the last thing David says to him is you're not crazy and jumps yeah. out of there. But like that, that the few scenes we had with his dad, who is played by Michael Rooker, Yondu. Amazing actor. Yeah. I, I love him. So oh, much. he's great. And he, uh, I mean, he was Merle in The Walking Dead. Yeah. And, um, but those few scenes we had, it really shows that, yeah, his dad may have made some mistakes. For sure. And, yeah. But, like, he truly did care about his son. Yeah, and also, like, David cares about his dad, too. Yeah. I like, mean, that, that scene when he finds his dad uh, hurt and the way that he just is, like, can we... Like, I actually thought that was a crazy cool shot where he says, can we get some help? And then it jumps into the hospital. And, uh, yeah. you know, like... A lot of the jump sequences were... And like transitions were really, really clever. Yeah, and most of them were pretty simple. It was mm-hmm. literally just like a we'll cut to a new shot, we'll play a sound, and yeah. it'll just like pan immediately down to where he appeared. Right. But like this one in the hospital was crazy because like we we were kind of noticing that like when he was in higher stress situations or like more emotion, like mm-hmm. it would break more things around it. And like when he went into the hospital, there was just a crater in the yeah. floor. There's like he, collateral damage yeah. and everything around him. And, yeah, and. It, and just him and his dad there, and the way that, the way that he also just like collapsed in the corner, just looking at his dad, mm-hmm. that was kind of visceral as, as well. Where he realized that because of him, his dad died. Yeah. Or, well, we don't we know. don't know, but like, I think yeah. it's kind of assumed. Yeah. Because it, it almost seems like to me that his dad is already dead, but like yeah. with that shock and that you know, uh, 
Well, especially when you have those abilities. Like, mm-hmm. you might as well try. Right, sure. <laughs> yeah, but, like, that's one thing is to go back on Hayden Christensen is I personally think he is a great actor. He is really good at showing that emotion in his face, especially when it's something like anger or sadness mm-hmm. or, it, like, just seeing it in his face, seeing, like, he's not afraid to do, like, an ugly cry or an ugly, uh, you know, fa- you know, there's some people who, like, make themselves look beautiful while they're still doing a sobbing scene. But Hayden Christensen does what a normal person would do, and he just sobs watching his father die in the middle of a hospital, yeah. you know? And uh, I also told you that Hayden Christensen kind of has a very distinct scream, you know? like <laughs> Yeah. Like, every time they, like, shoot him with the... Uh, the zappy things <laughs> it's it's playing in my head right now yeah <laughs> you, you just get that distinct scream that like i think if anybody like during a trivia contest they're like okay whose actor uh is this scream and they play his scream I'd be like, oh that's hayden no no question <laughs> it's kind of funny I, it's something i've noticed like this is a tangent but uh my dad yeah has a very very distinct laugh oh yeah and there have been times where i have been in like a public area and I, he's also there. I don't, I don't can't remember a specific example, but just like I'll be across a room from him and I'll hear a bunch of people laughing and I'll be able to immediately pick out my dad's laugh yeah. throughout like 20 other people. Right. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. But, but yeah, he has, he's very distinct in the way that he acts Hayden. He's like, he has a distinct style and, um, it is interesting because, uh, if you see him talk, like, especially, like, when he was younger, like, in interviews and stuff, mm-hmm. he, he has kind of a thicker, like, not super thick, but, like, a prominent Canadian accent, because he's Canadian. Canadian, And eh? so, like, hearing him put on a uh, an American accent, he, it, it's a little rough at times, because, like... Notice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, it, it, it's just, he has, I don't know what, what I want to say, but, like, I really like him as an actor, and it, it, it just kind of sucks that he went through what he did well yeah like kind of like we were saying before it's just good to see him be able to do something that isn't like i guess undercut by yeah the star wars stuff but like on on the other end of that recently him being able to come back and be darth vader in obi-wan kenobi and like and he did an incredible job and there was uh, spoilers, I don't know if you care. I haven't seen it. I yeah. do kind of care. Okay, so if you're so going to go into some important yeah, spoilers, yeah, probably not. Yeah, okay. It's a little but, thing but I don't But like care. being able to see him as Darth Vader again. Yeah. And uh, it was just phenomenal. And see, well, seeing how the fans, like, and that's the thing, is those people who did hate on these actors, it it's a minority. It is a very vocal minority. But like seeing... At Star Wars Celebration, when him and Ewan came back, the like standing ovation for him, seeing like that yeah. people do love him, people are excited that he's back. It, it, it's kind of heartwarming, and it, it's watching this movie again. It reminded me. I'm like, man, I, I love seeing him and stuff. Even that Nick Cage movie with him, it was like, it wasn't the greatest movie in the world, but being able to <laughs> like, I, I'm I'm glad that he's still acting because like, it yeah. sucks when you see someone who's like, I don't want to do this anymore because people. Yeah, are, you, you are kinda, horrible to me. It feels like their their dream was ruined. Yeah, because that's one thing acting is for a lot of people is it's it's something that they want to do. Yeah, at well, the beginning, yeah. you know, it's like we a lot of us kind of. I mean, they are celebrities. Yeah, they're like 
sort of a level removed from normal life. Right. But at the same time, like, they're still people. And yeah. they still have, you know, dreams and aspirations. Mm-hmm. They, they, they just have, you know, gotten to a point where maybe they... They don't quite understand things quite the same. But at the same time, like that doesn't mean that they can't have their feelings hurt and they can't be like bullied or beat up or anything like that. Yeah. That's something I, I like looking in deeper into like the games industry as I've been learning more and more about it, that's one thing I've noticed a lot, is a lot of people on the internet just yell about stuff. Yeah. And they get really mad and they take everything personally. And having met developers of games that I care much about and games that I have complained about a lot, yeah. it changes how you look at things because I can sit there and I can say this thing that was designed poorly and I don't like, I know the person who probably made this or at least worked on this. Yeah. I have seen them. I have talked to them. Yeah. And it's just like, that could be me someday. And I have to temper my expectations and temper my reactions because of that. Well, and it, it's really interesting to look at it from perspective too, but like I've met some like celebrities at like Comic Con and things, and it's interesting to see that there are some people in the world who see them as just like a product, you know, yeah. like like you know they're going like we were in line for uh, for Danny Glover. Uh, do you, yeah, he's from Lethal Weapon, and uh, um, one of his most famous lines ever is uh, "I'm too old for this shit," you know, like. And, mm-hmm. And it was just crazy because we were in line in front of this one lady and she was trying to get his autograph and he was just signing it. And she said, no, 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 no. I want you to put I'm too old for this shit on there. And he kind of looked at her like, I already am in the middle of writing. And she was, no, 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 put that on there. And like you could see that he was like disappointed and like sad about it. But like then we walked up there and met him and uh, it was a pleasant experience because I was with my uh, was with one of my friends at the time. And my dad was behind us and we left. We, it was a pleasant experience we had. I was like, oh, I really love your movies. But then we left and I saw him talking with my dad and he was busting out laughing. And I was like, whoa, what did my dad say to get him to uh, to like laugh and actually look excited again? My dad pulled out of his mind just like this old movie that <laughs> no one else would think of. Like, uh, I forget what it's called, but he, he was just talking with Danny Glover about this old movie that he was in. And he's like, oh, man, I love that movie, a movie that no one would talk to him about. No, And he was just reminiscing with my dad. Yeah. He was like, because there was like a taxi cab that looked really cool in that movie. And he's like, remember that taxi cab? And Danny Glover's like, oh, yeah, that was so much fun. And, you know, instead of treating them like something you, you know, like I said, a product, mm. treat them as a person, you know? Yeah. I mean, you've also you've met Chris Evans. Yeah, I have met. He's Chris a real Evans. dude. Yep, he put his hand on my shoulder it's, it's and very, looked me in the eye very, and told me "Happy birthday." It's very real muscles. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just you know, like you said, they celebrities are on kind of a different level. But like, you, you still have to remember that they are people and that they yeah. they have feelings. Yeah, it, it, it's just I don't know. I, I feel like I may be rambling a little bit about stuff, but like it it just it, it sucks, especially coming from this big. Star Wars fandom yeah. is uh, I am a big Star Wars fan, but I stay off of the internet a lot when it comes to new yeah. Star Wars shows and things because, you know, there's just so many people who just go out and they not just attack the actors and stuff, but they attack people who like, like those things. Yeah. You know, they're like, Oh, you like the prequels. You like the sequels. You like all that. You shouldn't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I don't know. I, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but it, it's just... Well, I've been thinking about it a little bit. Because, like, earlier in the episode, I kind of 
lost my words a bit. Right. And it was a little, it felt a little awkward. But like, we don't, we've done this a number of times. We don't always watch a movie just to watch that movie and talk about that movie. Mm -hmm. Like, there's more to it than that. And that's, that's like, sometimes it is something that's like poetic or something that's like directly from the movie where, like, you know, like, be, be true to yourself or other things like that. It's like a message we take directly out of the movie. And sometimes it's just something that the movie reminds us about. Mm-hmm. And, and this might be partially because we're both ADHD and we, that's how our <laughs> brains work. We just have a massive web of strings tied to everything. Yeah. And we just grab one and it pulls, like, six other things. And you're like, oh, that's a weird connection that I just now remembered I have. Yeah. But, like... I kind of like when sometimes the episodes just sort of naturally form, I guess. Right. <laughs> we haven't talked a ton about the movie, and I still would like to. And yeah. I'm sure those sure listening will. would yeah. like us to. But at the same time, like sometimes I'm glad that we can we can find something more to talk about than just a movie. Yeah, than just the, you know, plot of the movie or, you know, like things we thought were cool. Because, you know, we say that a lot. We say these are cool, but like... It's really good. (laughs) Yeah. But like when we find something that, like you said, it reminds us of, it really shows that movies are more than I think, you know, some people give them credit for. And also to us, and I'm sure to others, hopefully many of the people listening, like movies are more than just something to go watch. Like, it has meaning beyond that. And so it's, it is valuable to look at something that, to watch some, I mean, not even just movies, but like if you read a book or play a video game or anything like that, like seeing what else is there beyond just what's on the screen or mm-hmm. what's on the pages or whatever is important. And, and we specifically, we want to share those things because that's why we care so much about movies. When we talk about the Avengers and talk about Marvel and talk about Star Wars, like that is something that was hugely important to us as children. And it has so many more connections and, and so much more other stuff coming with it that, that that's why we get distracted so much. Yeah, and that, that's the thing too is it's like you can find so many of these different things in so many different movies. Like you don't have to just find deep meanings in those movies that are meant for that like Mm -hmm. we watched jumper which like i said may not be the best movie in the world it's a fun movie but like we're talking about how actors may be treated in hollywood and how you know there are people in the world that are very cruel sometimes and it's like just because we see hayden christensen what he went through and what all those actors went through it's an important conversation to have you know like Mm -hmm. about how like just because you may not like something doesn't mean you need to like it's fine to vocalize it it's fine to be like i didn't like that that much and Mm -hmm. like it's fine to have reasons like it was because of this maybe you didn't like hayden christensen's acting like oh i didn't really like his acting but that's okay you don't need to go online and be like hayden christensen you are a human piece of trash or you know some like (laughs) you you should have actually burned on mustafar yes (laughs) stupid stuff like that and it's because like you see some people's comments and things online where it's like it you almost think is that a joke you know like like is do you actually think that that's a good thing to say that that's a good Mm -hmm. piece of criticism or you know like do you actually think that is criticism i i would say most of the time it isn't yeah that was actually 
again, I'm, I'm going to bring this back to my, my school because that's something that's still very present in my mind because yeah. I'm doing it right now. But, like, one of the first things I learned in my uh, intro to game design class was how to criticize mm. a game. Like, how to give good feedback. Usable feedback. And there was four steps. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, you need to be more mindful about this thing. No, it was, it was an entire class period of, like, step one, step two, step three, step four. This is how you get through that process right. and give usable feedback. And a lot of people just being like, man, I hated that, and this uh, this thing is bad. Like, that's not usable. <laughs> and you're bad for liking it. You know? yeah. Like, yeah, like, that's just pure emotion and, like, nonsense. It's mm-hmm. not useful. And that's why it hurts, you know, like, people is because, they're like, it... it it's not like if you're a creator and you see someone be like, oh, you know, it wasn't for me and this is why, you know, like you could be like, oh, okay, you know, maybe my next thing that I make, I'll change it or look at that or whatever. Or just be like, oh, okay, it's not for that specific demographic. But when you see comments that is just like, I hate it and I hate you, yeah. that's like, <laughs> that kind of ruins it, you know, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, to, to watch this movie and to watch, like you said, how much fun he seemed to have and how much fun they all seem to have. I mean, like we were talking about how like the effects in this movie are really cool and how they got to film in the Coliseum. Yeah, the actual Coliseum. Yeah. There's, there's a few shots because they did a lot of like location shots, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, they, they went to the pyramids several times. But like a lot of those, I think, weren't real. Yeah. But they actually went to the Colosseum and were able to film in the actual Colosseum. Yeah, I read in like the trivia that they had like three uh, stipulations for that. They were like, okay, you can film here, but you got to have natural lighting. You can't bring any lights in here. None of your equipment can touch the ground. Everything so, must be carried. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, and uh, and then uh, there was also. Yeah, you can only film between like eight thirty or six thirty and eight thirty, and then also like three thirty and five thirty, to so they don't yeah. disrupt uh, the 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 tourists. The tourists, and, yeah. yeah. But like, it must have been really cool to be able to film in the actual coliseum. So, yeah, I I I recently watched Gladiator. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that movie happens in the coliseum, although it's it's a a set. Know, a set, and it's also supposed to be, you know, a recreated Coliseum. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think, because I have seen Jumper before a few times, and every time I was like, oh, it's, it's Coliseum, that's neat. Yeah. And that was it. But this time I was like, whoa, that's like, that's the Coliseum. Like, yeah. that's thousands of years old, like, huge, what, what, monument? Is that the word you called it? Yeah. It, I, I, I said a world monument. Yeah. yeah. Like, it is a monument. It is, hugely important historically it is also a massive building yeah we were talking about when they like snuck in and down was like oh that is very illegal i'm like yes yeah that's that's very crazy (laughs) illegal but like i think just having grown up some more and having a few more years of of experience under my belt like it means more to me that they were able to actually go there mm-hmm. and shoot in the Coliseum. And just imagine how cool that was for them. Like, okay, yeah. so we only get a limited time here. Like, because I think it also said they shot three days. Yeah, like, probably. Yeah. And, and so uh, it's like, we only get a limited time, but we're going to film in the Coliseum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine the, the like, off 
or off camera stuff where everybody's like, oh my gosh, we're really here. Like, I mean, there probably was. They had what like two hours, uh, two hour blocks they could yeah. film, and there was probably a couple times where the okay, we'll give ourselves like thirty minutes that we can like walk around and do mm-hmm. something, you know. But like, yeah, it it must have been really cool. And like, there's just one shot in there that I really like where he's going to go uh, behind and open the door for, and so he like jumps off of the uh, balcony and teleports down there. Yeah, down into the underneath yeah. area. And when I say jump, he did jump, but he also teleported. You know, it's yeah. kind of funny. <laughs> he jumped and jumped. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, and then he did this thing where he like bowed. You know, I was like, thank you, thank you. <laughs> just, it, yeah, like there's a few little things like that where it just feels like appropriate. Yeah. And it's just a little thing, a little detail, a little nugget. I, I used to say that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't know. It, it helped build his character just a little bit more. Yeah, and he's he's probably done stuff like this all the. I mean, one of his go-to spots is on top of the Sphinx. So, yeah, like, like the noggin of the Sphinx. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, he's probably done this kind of stuff before. Just like, it, it, you know, probably each time, you know, it's one of those things where like these are national monuments, and no matter how many times he may have been to them, it's probably still super cool each time. To, yeah. It it's it kind of puts into perspective like he's. He's kind of arrogant. Oh, for he's sure. Very arrogant until like he gets, you know, until he starts realizing what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. But also, he's—I would say that he's still very much a child. Yeah. Like at heart, he didn't really get a chance to grow up. I mean, he left home at fifteen. Exactly. Like he's still kind of a fifteen-year-old, even at what twenty-three. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And I mean, and, yeah, and twenty-three is still fairly young, and so yeah, like, I mean, and you know, he he doesn't really realize it. Uh, the consequences for things like you know he's robbing banks and you know like you mentioned that there's one time where he's looking at a, a news story about a tsunami that happened yeah and he could teleport there and help you yeah know? he can see it he could teleport there right now yeah he could help save those people and like he he's choosing not to and maybe he thinks he has a good reason not to right but like why isn't he why right. doesn't like even if it's just saving one or two people that's still saving the lives yeah. potentially of one or two people. And I think like you said he just hasn't grown up a lot and throughout mm-hmm. this movie he does, you know, especially yeah. uh meeting Millie again and finding out about the Paladins, which is kind of a crazy, you know, like yeah. What are they like an ancient organization? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know exactly. They don't really explain it too yeah. deep and that's probably okay. Yeah. <laughs> but like uh it's it's just interesting to see how and especially it seems like he thought that he was the only one who could do this for a long time. Yeah. And then when he meets Griffin, mm-hmm. he, he uh, uh, Griffin's like, you're not, uh, you're, uh, what did he say? He's oh, like, I wrote it down. Yeah. He you said, thought you were the only one. Yeah. You thought you were the only one. And he's kind yeah. of just like that sarcastic way that he asked that, that question. And it's just like, you know, that that's, that's one thing that uh, a lot of times kind of annoys me a little bit mm-hmm. about like superhero movies and not, yeah. not necessarily like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe or DC right. or anything like just sort of the one-off ones where it's like some some people get powers mm-hmm. and why like so many things have happened in our world like everything that you know could happen has pretty much happened so it's like how have we not seen this before how are there not others yeah and and also um, I don't know if I talked about it yet but we we mentioned like when he teleports especially early on and when he's like emotionally distressed there's a lot of collateral damage yeah but uh in that opening sequence to go back to it real quick like you see that the first time he does it 
he takes a ton of water with him. Yeah. And the second time he does it, like, it shakes the whole house. And then, uh, but as he goes, he gets a little bit cleaner mm-hmm. with them, even in just that, that little sequence. There's three or four different teleportations. Yeah, like one, uh, like, and he was, he was like, trying to aim himself and stuff, too. Like, he hit the tree. And he, you know. Yeah, he was trying to figure out how it worked. Yeah. And with that one, he, like, knocked himself into the tree. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, that's about all that happened. And mm-hmm. then immediately afterward, he just... Right back to the rock he was standing next to, and it's just like that one was totally normal. Yeah, and so it's just sort of seeing as he realizes what's going on. Like I just I appreciate that sort of like natural progression of just like at first I'm teleporting myself and a bunch of things nearby, and like also like obviously you can't teleport. Yeah, that's not a real thing. <laughs> but just the the attention to the fact that like if he is moving. He is moving matter, and he's taking things with him. Yeah. Like, if nothing other than just the air around him. But, like, when he tell uh, At one point, him and Griffin are fighting, and they teleport into a swimming pool, and all the water just, like, bubbles up for a second. I'm just like, that makes a ton of sense, because, like, you're now depositing a bunch of extra mass... Yeah. inside this water so it's going to displace a bunch of it well and it's it's really cool too like you were talking about you know them taking stuff with them is there are a couple times where they jump from like a place that has sand and, and they jump in the middle of a city and there's like a poof of sand that comes with it you mm-hmm. know like or uh oh man i lost my train of thought but like i just I, all the like like you say collateral damage like one of my favorite shots i think of the movie is roland ends up following them through to uh uh Griffin's lair. Yeah. And they're fighting him in there, and Griffin does this, like, full-blown, like, jump punch. Thing. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And he, he does, like, four or five, like, like, just yeah. jumping forward a few feet, and then uses all of that force to, like, punch Roland. Yeah, and you see, like, each jump that he does, it, like, it, it breaks stuff around him, but also he brings that stuff with him. It likes all the rubble and stuff. Yeah, and, like, and then just, like, it all smashes against the wall and breaks yeah. through. That was really cool. Well, there, there was another one similar, uh, not quite as cool, but like uh, when David is interrogating his bully, like it, his, his bully's in jail, and he's like, mm-hmm. what did you tell him? What did you tell him? He ends up like, I told him everything, and he's like, got real mad and like jumped at him and it hit the wall and cracked the wall. Well, yeah, it's like yeah. the force of him, I guess, jumping, yeah. like pushed that into him and it like knocked him back. Yeah, and then like cracked the wall, and it was, it, there were so many cool stunts in this yeah. movie, like... There's one where uh, Roland throws him over the banister in his room, or in his apartment, Yeah. and he falls down and he s- smashes through the table, like he lands on the couch and smashes through his, his little uh, coffee table. Yeah. And I was just like, that looked all real. Like, well, and it looked like Hayden, too. It didn't <laughs> yeah, look like I, a stunt double. But it like, might, I don't know if he does a lot of his own stunts, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he did something like that. Well, and I, I'm sure that that was probably a stunt that they were probably like, okay, you can do that one. Okay. Well, that okay. one isn't too bad. Yeah. Because he's landing on a couch, mm-hmm. and then his feet are hitting a, a well, it, for, the, for the scene, that would have been a fake glass table. Right. But Sugar glass. Yeah, so we don't cut people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that one's not too terrible. It's not, you know, too, too crazy to think that he might have done that himself. But there was the one that, in the Coliseum when uh, Griffin was fighting some of the paladin oh, guys, yeah. and he, like, it, uh, like... It's kind of fast, but like he like gets the guy's like head onto the freaking like stone, and like, he teleports up onto one of like the walls, yeah, so the semi collapsed walls, and not and like throws the guy, one of the paladin guys off, yeah, and he just like, bah, right onto like the solid stone surface, yeah, and 
And that's oh, when I, that's when I think uh, either then or like close to it. That's when like Griffin tells him he's like, "Welcome to the war," and then he continues yeah. to fight these guys. And David's just like, "What the hell?" He's like, "What is going on?" <laughs> I gotta say, the Paladin's technology is uh, simultaneously like super cool, but also like, oh my gosh, like yeah. what is happening? Like the force, like you talked about when we were watching the force of those like uh, like net launchers. Yeah, uh, they're like. I also, well, this this plays in. Um, they they hold them like across their arms, yeah, like in the crook of their elbow, and then like they it's like a ballistic like electric bola almost. <laughs> it just like launches out and it creates like a mini net, and then it grabs onto them. But like in the Coliseum scene, they're launching them, and one of them goes and takes out half of a statue, <laughs> like breaks it right in half, and I'm like, that's solid stone, like right. you know, a couple thousand year old stone, but like still. <laughs> What in the world? <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's actually, like, another one of my favorite scenes is just that first fight with Roland and David mm-hmm. in his apartment. Like, because, like, David thinks he's this superhero who, like, oh, I can get away from this guy easy. And then, like, Ro- Roland just poof, zaps him with the thing. And he's like, whoa. And he's having trouble jumping. Yeah. And Roland's like, oh, yeah. You have a little trouble jumping with how many volts? I think of he said a thousand volts of electricity going through your brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it... It, I I appreciate the effort that they took, the filmmakers took, to give the paladins like a plausible way of fighting people who can teleport. Yeah, and you know they gave them the machine too that they could follow them because they have the jump scars, which is kind of a cool concept. You know? Yeah, like, and you notice them earlier on until he, he doesn't point it out until he meets Griffin yeah. and he follows Griffin through his to his lair. And he was like, I followed you through your jump scar. Yeah. That was cool that they could have the like wormhole machine that they were able to open up the jump scar and go through. And like it it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like I mean obviously we're taking some liberties with with science here, but yeah. like if someone can open a portal or wormhole. Yeah. Like a machine could theoretically also do that, probably do it better. Like, well, yeah, I mean, you look at how big the portal was compared to how small the jump scars usually are. You yeah, know? like it's also really cool that a lot of like, like the destruction. You know, like I'll go back to the apartment scene. Is like mm-hmm. when he's getting thrown into crap. Like that all looks like practical. Like you know, either they were, you know, using little explosives to blow up, you know, banisters or whatever. But like, mm-hmm. it, like he wasn't actually falling into it, but like. They needed to simulate that, but it all looked pretty practical to me. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of CGI in this movie. Yeah, not a lot, aside from like the actual uh, jumping itself. But like the yeah, jumping the, itself, a lot too. Like, I mean, I wouldn't. Even, I don't know if that quite qualifies as CGI. Yeah, it's mostly just like clever cuts and like. Yeah. And you get some interesting ones, like when he first jumps with Millie, and you get that like yeah. her perspective on it. Yeah, I thought that one was really cool. Yeah. Uh, because he brings her with him, and then it sort of shows him like fold into the like into the teleportation, I guess. Yeah. And then it unfolds in the in Griffin's lair, and like it stays all like wobbly and warbly. She's yeah. just like, oh my gosh, like that would be a really really surreal experience yeah. for someone who's never done it before. You just like fold into nothing and then appear somewhere else. Yeah. Like that's crazy. And I, I think it did a really, really effective job of just, like, showing what that might look like. Yeah. Uh, another uh, another jump that I really liked, I, I don't know what it is, it's a small one, but, mm-hmm. like, when uh, when uh, Griffin gets the car, 
him drifting out of the window is pretty cool (laughs) but like just that small jump that he's like well if i'm not going to get rid of you and and david jumps into the the seat the way he like jumps through griffin you know like and he kind of like hops to be in the right position before he just yeah the car yeah like he had a few moments of that where you know he he like got into the position of like sitting down or doing something or Mm -hmm. like another cool one was when griffin jumped and stabbed the knife into the rock and then uh, when uh, David was going into the jump scar, he grabbed the knife and then, like, teleported. Yeah. They, they had a lot of fun with the, the visuals on the teleportations in this yeah. movie. Yeah, it wasn't Nightcrawler Banff mode, you know, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, that's a cool scene, though. The opening of X-Men 2, him uh, in the White House. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool scene. But uh, they they really did a unique version of like teleporting and stuff. And I know this movie is based on a book, but I do know that this changes a lot from like it took some liberties. I don't think the paladins are a thing in the book or anything yeah. like that. But um, so like I don't know exactly how it is well, in the book. That's another thing that like a lot of people do have to understand is mm-hmm. when you books and movies are fundamentally different mediums. Yeah, and so you cannot. Just take a book and make it a movie. Yeah, you can't directly like, like adapt it. Well, I, like even if you tried to take a book and like, okay, I'm gonna make it 100% like from the page, from the, you know, like it probably would be weird. Yeah, like even the Lord of the Rings, yeah. which I would say is probably one of, if not the greatest, like book to film ap- adaptations of all time. Yeah. Uh, even that, they had to make changes. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been talking with Skyler about things in the movie, and he's like, ah, oh, Faramir's so much better in the books, or like, <laughs> this or that, or the yeah. other. He's like, oh, this thing was changed. And I'm like, I just have to kind of sit there and be like, but why did they change that? Because they had a reason. Yeah. There, there was a decision made at some point to be like, we don't want to do it like this, we need to change it. Well, and that's the thing, too, is uh, from what I understand, I've never read the book, mm-hmm. uh, Jumper, but like from what I understand, that book was a lot more uh, dramatic and like um, like dramatic in the sense of not action really. It was more. Oh yeah, yeah. it's just like relationship drama. Well, or? no, not even that. It was kind of a darker book about like his trauma and stuff. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and like why he jumped. And I don't think Griffin was a thing. I think it focused just solely on him. Yeah. And uh, but like it was a lot more character based, you know. And so making a film, obviously, obviously you want more spectacle. Yeah, and uh, it's also easier to have understandable conflict yeah. when it is the good guys versus the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and also like adding another jumper in there, it adds a bit of a wrinkle, you know. Like, you, like and like I really do think they were trying to set up some sequel stuff in this. Yeah, like with his mom and stuff like that. You know, you find out his mom's a paladin and all this stuff, and you know they weren't able to make one, but like. They were like, you know what, this could be a franchise. Let's put some fun stuff in there oh. that we can make a few. They also chose to have Kristen Stewart play his, like, <laughs> stepsister, I guess? Or half-sister, maybe. I guess, yeah. Because, I mean, if, if she had another kid yeah. that was biological, it would be his half-sister. But still, it's like, that's... Especially because this came out right after Twilight? And no, it was like the same year, I don't know. Or, like, like right yeah. around the same time. Mm-hmm. So either way, like... We at least knew that Kristen Stewart was going to be in Twilight, and so it's yeah. like she's she's still at least in this moment still kind of a bigger name actor to some yeah, extent. To some extent, yeah. And it's just like well, and she was in like Zathura and stuff like that. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, 
That was a weird movie. That was a weird movie. It was like Jumanji in space, but like... Yeah, Jumanji 2, but not, because <laughs> yeah. they did make Jumanji 2. You want to know who directed that movie? Who? John Favreau. Zathura? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Anyway, but like, we were very caught off guard by Kristen Stewart. <laughs> yeah, she opened the door and I was like, what? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Oh, and she's uh, there for like ten seconds too. So I, I think one of the other—it was funny to me. I'm sure Allie will 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 get a little bit of a laugh out of it too. But um, the main actress Millie uh, also plays Zoe Hart in Heart of Dixie, <laughs> and if you know what that is, uh, Allie made me watch it. But I can't say that I didn't. Uh, I can't say that I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I remember like we were watching Jumper and uh, she popped on screen and you were like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was when he went to go see her after she, after he came back to his hometown, um, and I saw just a, the slight flash of her as I was walking to go like throw something in the garbage. Yeah, and I stopped and I came back and I was like, "What?" And then and then I was like, "Oh, it is her!" I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> She's not in a ton of other things either. No, like I think besides like Samuel Jackson, there's there's not a ton of bigger name actors in this as i mean we've already talked about hayden christensen a ton yeah yeah there i mean you got diane lane who plays his mom Mm -hmm. and michael rooker who plays uh, michael rooker is a fantastic actor but i would never say he's like he's never really been the main actor per se yeah he's kind of always a side character and i mean uh, uh, until like guardians 2 he was yondu was kind of more of a main well he was a main character but he still wasn't like the the main. main character i mean he got one of the best scenes though uh, he may have been your father, boy, but he wasn't your daddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, I think towards the beginning of, of this movie, I was actually going to kind of make a joke about that, where I was like, ah, he's he's not being a very good daddy. But then <laughs> towards the end, I was like, no, he isn't the worst. Like, he made some mistakes, yeah. And, like, he has, you know, things to make up for, but he's not terrible. Yeah. He's not a bad person. No. And honestly, if we have to compare his two parents... Especially with the context of the final scene of the movie, uh, his mom's kind of not a good person. No, she's not. Like she's like, I I left to save you, but then he was like, well, what now? And she's like, oh, I'll give you a head start because I love you. <laughs> yeah, and she's basically saying, I'm still gonna try to hunt you and kill you. Yeah, but <laughs> because you're my son, I'm not gonna do it right here and right now. <laughs> like. I was kind of waiting for her to be like, oh, I won't ever, like, I'm part of this order, so, like, my hands are kind of tied, but I'm not going to, like, try to hunt you down specifically. Right. She never said anything like that. No, she's just like, I'll give you a head start, kiddo. (laughs) And then, like, a smooch on the forehead and patted him on the shoulder as he walked out the door. It's just like, okay, (laughs) you're just going to come kill me later, Mom? Like, all right. (laughs) Yeah. It would have been interesting to find out a little bit more about the paladins and why they, you know, like you said... Sam Jackson had that knife that he pulled out of, like, what, the ceremonial, like, scarf or whatever. It was just, like, a red cloth. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just, like, he's doing his little, like, preachy moment where he's like, only God should have this kind of power, and you're an abomination. And then he stabs him in the guts. and Well, and, oh, man, I love Sam Jackson. And, like, I one of the lines I loved from him in this movie was when he was talking with the bully guy, and the guy's like, you're just going to laugh at me, aren't you? And then Sam Jackson leans in and goes, Am I laughing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's a good line. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really like this movie. And it, it you know, brought up some great things to talk about, too. You know, like... Yeah. 
I I don't remember if we talked about it much with our uh, National Treasure episode. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, sometimes we, we just want to take an opportunity to talk about an actor that maybe not, maybe isn't, like, wholesale yeah. praised. And, like, we love uh, Nick Cage. Yeah. But we can, we have to admit that there's some movies that he's been in that are like, oh, I don't know about that Well, one. I mean, this episode I mentioned, the one with Hayden exactly. Christensen. Yeah, that's, that's why I was thinking about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. But, like... We love Hayden Christensen. I haven't personally seen a ton of what he's in, but like Star Wars Episode Two is my favorite Star Wars movie. Well, and <laughs> Revenge of the Sith, the third one, is no joke one of my favorite films. Yeah. Like, and I think Hayden did an incredible job. the The reason I think he gets a lot of the hate is because of Attack of the Clones, because yeah. there is a lot of that dialogue in that one. And yeah, there's some pretty cringe dialogue. But but like say. just like watch this movie, watch Revenge of the Sith again. He is a great actor. He really knows how to emote and how to show all that emotion in yeah. a believable way. And it's also it's good to see him in a different context. It is, yeah. Like he isn't some crazy space wizard trying to save the universe and then kill it and be the chosen <laughs> one slash fallen chosen one. I don't yeah. know. But like he he's just, he's just being a. A guy. Yeah. I mean, he's got power still, but, like, he's more or less a normal person aside from that. Yeah. And he's still got a lot of really human things to deal with and a lot of human relationships to, to deal with. And it, it feels like, especially the stuff with his dad and, like, yeah. you're saying the stuff with Millie, like, it feels real. I mean, we, we say that all the time. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it just, especially in this one, it... Like I said, I, I think I've mentioned this quite a few times, and it, stop me if it gets annoying, but the way that Hayden emotes, it really, like, you believe it. Mm-hmm. Like, that scene when his dad's like, please don't leave, please. And Michael Rooker was doing amazing in that scene, too, where he yeah. said, please, I just need to talk to you for one second. And Hayden was listening to him. He yeah. was, you know, and he was like, you're not crazy. But he knew he couldn't stay there. Yeah. You know, and, I, and he did, I mean, he probably also didn't know what else to say. Yeah. Yeah, because... The fact that he said anything. And, you know, part of it could be, you know, and, like, obviously we don't see a lot of it, but, like, you know, he may have resented his dad a little bit because his mom left and his dad ended up drinking, but from what we know, it doesn't look like his dad beat him or anything, or, you know, like, like, yeah, he had that, you know, moment where he broke the door because, you know, he locked it on him, but, like, it could be that they were both just in bad places and just, yeah. you know, and they both wanted to make amends and it just sucks that they weren't really able to. Yeah. But, like, it, you got all these real emotions. And, like, honestly, even some of the stuff with Griffin, too. Yeah. Like, there, there's the part where they were in the car that um, uh, David was trying to sort of talk about, like, you know, I, I lost my mom when I was young, too. Like, I kind of, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And then Griffin is still very reserved and he's like I didn't ask about your parents well and it's interesting because like when David's first going on Griffin's like looking over at him and like listening and like it kind of looks like for a moment he's gonna open up too but then he's like I didn't ask yeah, yeah he's he's very you know standoffish he's very yeah. very keeping to himself and that makes sense because uh, I don't think he ever fully explains it but he starts to explain to David at one point he's like I they came for me when I first jumped and they killed my parents. Like, that's hugely traumatizing. Like, yeah. he's been sitting on that his whole life. He's been fighting against these people who've been trying to kill him for his yeah. whole life. And so it would make sense that he stays by himself. He never opens up to anyone. He never talks to anyone else. He just 
lives in his cave yeah. and fights the paladins. Like, that's all he does. And so when he finally meets someone else who might potentially have a a common ground for them to meet on, like, it's hard for him to open up about that. Right. Especially when, like, you know, obviously David didn't mean to, but he led the paladins to uh, yeah. the lair, you know. <laughs> and, yeah, it's just... There were some really good character moments in this film. It's... It's one that, like we said, it's not a master class, yeah. but it's really solid. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's worth your time if you're, if you're, you know, if you have a free moment or you, have, you well, see it, the opportunity to watch it. It's, it's a shorter movie, too. It's like an hour and a, a little over an hour and a half. So, like, yeah. it's pretty good, you know, to just digest real quick, you know. Like. Yeah, it's just a little, little movie, but it, it'll, it'll entertain you for the time that it's there. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying, we, we are always able to get something out of everything we watch. Yeah. We go into the movie, we watch it, and we bring a little bit of something back. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes all that is is just like thinking about, you know, what else the actors have done or other ways we can talk about them or something that's, you know, just interesting that happened in the movie. But, like, there is something positive and something worth, you know, watching every movie for. Yeah. You just got to look for it. I agree. Well said. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I spent hours planning that. <laughs> but I think we've about wrapped it up, don't you think? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, anywhere else you can listen. Uh, I make Facebook posts every week. Check us out there. You know, mm-hmm. Let us know what you think. Um, leave reviews wherever you can. Yeah. <laughs> I know some places only let you rate it. Some places... I know Facebook, you can actually, like, do a, I guess, an actual review of our page or something like that. Right. But, like, yeah, let us know how you think or what you're thinking about our episodes. We always like hearing from from Mm -hmm. those of you who who listen to us. I also found a thing on Spotify. Like, I can make questions on there for people (laughs) to to ask. So, like, I may do that occasionally. Have one on there for Bumblebee and one on there for bad guys. They're just fun little questions, but it's a way to, like, communicate with us, you know. Yeah. And remember to you know share share an episode with a friend if you if you liked it if it was a movie that you know they care about or you really cared about or something you've been talking about recently we appreciate that every time I, I very sincerely mean it yeah we, we really do. we just recently had Ryan on <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about go listen to that episode because we there's several <laughs> minutes where we're just like oh my gosh Ryan you make us so happy yeah <laughs> but yeah this is a good one it was again thank y'all for listening and always remember to watch what you love. Love what you watch.